This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 33, and I will share the history of ultramarathon golfing. What? Yes, I'm not kidding. For nearly 150 years, a bizarre activity has taken place to walk or run ultra distances playing golf to see how many holes you could play in a day. And today we have a golf game taking place in my basement. I've seen some amazing shots bouncing off my furnace. Now for the story of marathon golfing. Hello friends, welcome to a tradition unlike any other. For more than a century, there has been a sport involving combining ultra-running with golf. In 2016, Carl Meltzer of Utah, who has won more 100-mile trail races than anyone, set a world 12-hour speed golfing record of 230 holes, covering about 100 kilometers in the process. This created attention in ultra-running circles, and we were left to wonder how long has such a thing been going on? What has been called marathon golf is the art of playing as many rounds or holes as possible in a certain amount of time, usually a day, recording strokes for each round. Golf purists have despised this activity over the years. Ultra runners are amused and fascinated by it. How many miles is covered by playing a golf round? It depends on the length of the course. Today's courses average about 6,500 yards. When I run every hole of my local 7,000-yard golf course using a GPS, the distance comes to about 5.5 miles. Years ago, before golf technology improved, average courses were shorter with a length closer to 4.5 miles. It is believed that marathon golfing was born in Scotland on a bet. In 1874, an Aberdeen, Scotland golfer, W.G. Bloxham, wagered that he could play 180 holes on a very short course and then walk 10 more miles, all in 24 hours, about 38 miles total. He won the wager. The endurance swinging and walking continued in 1908 when two well-known golfers from Edinburgh, Scotland, Gray and Ferrier, played eight rounds, 144 holes, for about 40 miles in 18 hours using the long summer daylight in Scotland. That really got the sport going. Also in 1908, Harry Lumsden, a golfer from Aberdeen, Scotland, played 162 holes for about 45 miles, setting a world record. A critic commented, it is not easy to extract any useful lesson from the feats of endurance that are occasionally chronicled in connection with golf matches. Soon after that, another golfer from Scotland increased the world record to 192 holes for about 42 miles in 17 hours. In June 1910, Lumsden was added again and accomplished an amazing 216 holes covering about 50 miles and averaging 82.5 strokes per round. That world record would last for the next 13 years. 
A Detroit newspaper commented on the marathon golf accomplishments that had taken place in Scotland. The mere recital of them makes one feel tired. Besides, it's not golf, this sort of thing. Two rounds a day is as much as most of us care to tackle. Here's a different twist. Way back in 1898, two English golfers successfully golfed a 35-mile cross-country hole between two golf courses. The golfers carried clubs and about a half a gallon of balls in a bag. They took turns playing alternating shots. Progress in the morning across fields was slow with hazards of hedges and ditches. After lunch, they played the road rather than across fields, but the balls tended to roll into ditches on the side of the road, so they returned to the fields and woods. They stopped for the night and were back at it the next day. While on a farm, the owner demanded to know what they were doing on his land. We're playing golf, he replied. I just request you leave as quickly as possible. On the third day, one of the golfers explained, Twice our ball hit a sheep, and we were frequently in small ditches, but could generally play out. The challenge was accomplished in 1,087 strokes, 17 lost balls, and 72 penalty strokes. One critic stated, Such feats as these are spectacular and attract attention for the moment, but will not become popular because of the great powers of endurance necessary to carry out such stunts. I do not imagine a long jaunt over mountainous hills and dales with many natural traps would appeal to very many. Americans also got into marathon golf early. In 1900, George McGrew played 72 holes at the fairgrounds in St. Louis, Missouri. As far as can be figured, no one ever played as many as 72 holes hereabouts. Such play means walking 14 miles in no less than 10 hours. Around 1910, an unusual competition took place. George Litton, an amateur boxer, and Andrew McCahey, a football player, wanted to compete in a sport against each other. They chose to use the neutral sport of golf to see who could last the longest. They knew nothing about previous marathon golfing. They played in Highland Park, Illinois. The two played three rounds before breakfast. They decided to continue throughout the entire day and set some sort of new record. They played nine holes about every 45 minutes. They walked, they did not run. During the afternoon, there were many other players on the course, but word went around that George and Mac had all records distance and players invariably gave them the right of way. They continued to play on despite blistered feet and finishing at sundown with 153 holes traveling about 42 miles. In 1911, a truly crazy golf match was planned by members of the Park Ridge Country Club near Chicago. The distance was only 15 miles, but worthy of mention because it was so odd. 24 members of the club will gird up their loins and play golf through the city all the way to Lincoln Park, a distance of 15 miles. According to the rules, as received, all houses, barns, streetcars, pedestrians, motorists, Rivers or lakes will be natural hazards of the trip. The match starts at 6 in the morning, just in time for the merry commuter to have the occasional stray golf ball drop in for breakfast. It turned out to be a practical joke article that fooled many newspapers on the East Coast. 
Many reporters of the time could not embrace marathon golf. Freak golf is usually the result of a new player being caught up in his enthusiasm or the result of a bet. Street golf, marathon golf, blindfolded golf, golf played in suits of armor are some expressions of these vagaries. I've decided to play 18 holes every day And perhaps now and then maybe more For until I'm too old or so tired that I fold I'll try to improve on my score During the World War I years, golfers took a break from marathon golfing. After the war, the sport really started to get attention due to the efforts by a golfer in Pennsylvania. In 1919, Fred Knight of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, one of the best golfers in the city, sought to set out what he thought would be a record of 126 holes. The actual record was still 216 holes. Knight was focused on completing the seven rounds with an average of 85 strokes per round. When he started, there was frost all over the course, and once melted, it was soaked with water. During his few breaks, he would drink a glass of milk with a raw egg. On his seventh round, a gang of workmen passed him on the third hole. His ball lay short of the green with a creek between him and the green. Instead of waiting for him to make the shot, they walked on and as they passed, one of them remarked, Watch him put it in the creek. And that is just what he did. Then to make matters worse, he hashed up on the next shot and he registered an eight on that hole. After he finished his goal of seven rounds, he walked to the first tee and announced his intention of making an eighth journey. Knight finished with an elapsed time of 14 hours, 45 minutes. In the end, he had played eight rounds, 144 holes, traveling about 40 miles. He missed his goal of averaging a score of 85 by only nine strokes. While his accomplishment wasn't actually a record, it brought great attention to marathon golfing in many newspapers across America, and soon Knight was incorrectly credited as being the originator of the sport of marathon golf. Three months later, in 1919, Eddie Stiles of Philadelphia broke the American record by completing 180 holes, covering about 50 miles with a very impressive average of about 79 strokes per round. Stiles talked about his amazing day. I could never have played that many holes if it had not been right down the alley all the time off the tee, and on my two wood shots nor could have I averaged under 80 for 10 rounds if I had been in trouble all the time. He walked so fast, the gallery was forced to trot at times to keep up. Mama just smacked a ball, put a ball on top of the tee, perfect backswing, now it's free. In 1920, the American record was broken again. Oscar Ironman Clow of Tacoma, Washington, a former marathon runner, played 198 holes in Tacoma. He traveled about 55 miles in 13 hours. Clow's caddy, Earl Williams, accompanied him on a bicycle. His only duty was to watch the ball. 
The caddy, although cutting corners and taking shortcuts at every opportunity, was completely exhausted at the finish. Cloud carried his own bag the entire way and lifted all the flags. Soon the press mocked this silly record. One stated that a lady's mail sorting record was much more impressive when she sorted 30,225 letters in eight hours. During the year 1923, a golf marathon craze exploded all over America, much like the 50-mile frenzy of 1963 when everyone wanted to hike 50 miles. In 1923, a golfer or two at most country clubs across the nation set their sights on seeing how many holes they could golf in a day. Two golf professionals from the Houston, Texas area made their attempt. They ended up matching Lumsden's 1910 record of 216 holes playing on a hilly course. They started at 4.30 a.m. with the first hole lit up by automobile headlights and ended at 8 p.m. using flashlights. Golfing really matters Anyone can see Golfing really matters Golfing really matters To me In June 1923, Nick Morris, a 21-year-old amateur golfer from San Antonio, Texas, set a new world record of 238 holes, covering about 60 miles in 15 hours and 15 minutes. From start to finish, he astonished the field of 3,000 who followed his play by his long, straight drives. The 1923 marathon golf craze continued. Two weeks later, Rudolph Supan, a 21-year-old originally from Czechoslovakia, played 257 holes for a new world record covering about 65 miles before darkness. During his rounds, he tired out eight caddies and wore out two pair of shoes. Supan ran between shots, the first known marathon golfer known to truly attempt to run it. Spectators tried to keep up, but soon gave up. After 10 hours, he slowed down to a fast walk. During this 1923 marathon golf craze, most traditional golfers turned their noses up to the fad. Charlie Betchler of Park Heights Avenue Course in Baltimore, Maryland said, It's not an endurance test, but a speed test. There is only a certain number of playing hours each day, and the one who can go the fastest will win. And that's not golf. Nick Morris wanted the world record back that he had set and lost in just a couple of weeks. He set out again three weeks later at 12.40 a.m. in bright moonlight using an illuminated ball and many specially trained ball hunting caddies. He hoped to reach 300 holes before sundown. Although the gallery was small at the early morning start, there is no doubt that traffic cops will be necessary before the feat is completed and arrangements have been made for Morris to have the right-of-way over all players. Morris reclaimed the world record, finishing 290 holes in about 19 hours for about 72 miles. He averaged shooting 85 strokes per round. He said he was through with marathon golf and does not care to compete against anyone who may surpass his record. Golf is such an easy game. Golf is such an easy game. The 
1923 marathon golf craze ran its course, especially with the seemingly untouchable record that Morris posted. Some continued to do it, including a 62-year-old Hiram Ramp, who played 144 holes. A journalist wrote, Golf is too good a game to take in such huge doses, and if all 60-year-old golfers get the craze, some of them are surely to suffer, and then the grand old game will be blamed. By 1927, the newspapers had forgotten about the best marathon golf performances, and nearly every accomplishment was called a record. That year, Doe Graham attempted driving a ball from Mobile, Alabama to Los Angeles, California. In February, about 100 people braved heavy rain to watch Graham start, along with his 18-year-old caddy, Happy Kirby. Graham estimated it would take him between five months and five years, and that he would take 1.5 million strokes. The rain was terrible on the first day, and they had to take shelter after four miles. But by the second day, Graham had made 40 miles. The first night out, he and his caddy slept in a farmer's stable. On Monday, he got lost, but finally regained the right road. That night, a church was their refuge. He spent one night in jail when a sheriff caught him acting suspiciously with a flashlight and golf clubs late at night. He used a driver through the countryside, a two-wood in the suburbs, and putted along city sidewalks. At San Antonio, Texas, his caddy had to return to mobile, so Graham was on his own. Leaving San Antonio, he lost track of his strokes, so he had to go back to the start again from the city. Graham made it to Ozana, Texas, before quitting on April 22, 1927, after more than two months because he ran out of funds. Up to that point, he had taken 35,948 strokes, lost 140 golf balls, and lost 25 pounds. He had golfed for more than 900 miles. In 1930, more variations appear. Jay Lathrop of Princeton, New Jersey, kicked off speed golfing by playing the 6,000-plus-yard Springdale course in only 50 minutes, scoring an 88. He sprinted between shots and used two caddies. Also in 1930, Marathon Miniature Golf was established at the Colony Miniature Golf Course in Chicago. Sixteen young men and women started the contest that was broadcast nightly on the radio. The objective was to golf until you dropped. The winner golfed for 136 hours. Records have been cheated. In the early 1900s, many ultra runners fabricated transcontinental accomplishments and other claims. These individuals were commonly self-promoters who accomplished stunts and sought records for attention and financial gain. During the Great Depression, many of these solo endurance performers emerged in a desperate effort to earn money. It appears that such was the case, with at least one individual who came onto the stage in 1931 establishing spectacular marathon golf records. Each time he broke the world record, the details about the efforts were very scarce. The individual was Robert Norman Coy. Coy was a former welterweight boxer and went by the name of Chief Coy. In late 1929, Coy sprang into the endurance scene with many claims. The Chicago Tribune thought one of his letters to try to get a fighting bout was amusing. 
they mocked his letterhead of modesty, where he proclaimed that he was a, quote, fighter, wrestler, strongman, runner, the super athlete of the age. The news reporter was skeptical. Coy stated, I hold the world's record for playing the most holes in one day, 234. I hold all marathon running records in central Illinois. These kind of claims were huge red flags for a typical endurance fraud of the time. In 1930, Coy played pocket billiards for 120 hours without stopping a world record. As the week wore on, crowds came and went. After a couple days, Coy started mistaking the nine ball for the cue ball. After 120 hours, it was over. He staggered backwards and began babbling deliriously. A small crowd spilled out into the street, cheering, spreading the news that Chief Coy had done the impossible. Later in 1930, because of the billiards record, he was invited to participate in the World Championship of Pocket Billiards. All that is known about him is that he holds the world marathon record for pocket billiard playing. Coy announced that he was going to walk from Peoria, Illinois to New York City for the contest. Nothing was heard of him. He just didn't show up. Learning that the world record for marathon golf was actually 290 holes, Coy wanted to break it. On June 18, 1931, with sparse details, he claimed to play a course in Illinois, finishing with 302 holes. He claimed that he did it in bare feet and used only one club, a mid-iron. A news story published later stated, to prove he suffered no ill effects on finishing the 302nd hole, he ran 100 yards in less than 11 seconds. Then he put on a strength demonstration, bending a steel bar with his teeth, tearing a tobacco can in half, and driving a 20-penny spike through an inch board with his bare hands. He also claimed that some of these nine hole rounds were done in only 15 minutes, which was golfing an impossible six-minute mile pace during nine holes. His new 302-hole world record was likely a fraud, but the public soaked it all in. Bob Swanson, age 23, from Los Angeles, California, was another stunt artist who wished to beat Coy. In July 1933, he claimed to complete a world record 305 holes of the Sunset Fields course of Los Angeles for about 76 miles. Details of his 305-round accomplishment are lacking, and newspaper coverage was sparse. One must be skeptical of his world record, too. It was then Coy's turn to get the record back. He claimed that in 1934 he played a course in Colorado Springs, Colorado for 24 hours, finishing 314 holes, covering about 80 miles. The only details given were, Through the night he was accompanied by caddies armed with flashlights and many spectators. Oddly, no news stories about the event originated from Colorado newspapers. This accomplishment was again likely fraudulent. Just two days later, Jim Ford, a youth from Portland, Oregon, completed 335 holes in 24 hours and claimed the world record covering about 85 miles. 
the speedometer of an automobile which followed him over the Peninsula County Country Club registered 78 miles. Shirley Coy was bothered that his record had been so quickly snatched away. Just five days later, Swanson started his quest to get the record back, and he became very smart. He chose a very short, flat nine-hole course, less than 2,400 yards, at Nibley Park in Salt Lake City, Utah, using only a three-iron. Swanson started at midnight, took several rests because of the altitude, and still finished 343 holes in 23 hours, 30 minutes. His performance was attested by two nibbly caddies. While it was dark, he did not hit his ball very far and consequently scored higher. His caddy carried a huge flashlight, and the streetlights adjacent to several of the holes helped out considerably. Given these details, it appears Swanson's accomplishment was legitimate. However, the short course must be disqualified for a true world record, because he only actually covered about 60 miles. Ford still held the legitimate record with 335 holes. Help me keep my head down, save me from those double bogey blues. On learning of Swanson's 343 holes, within two weeks, Coy claimed that he played 357 holes in 24 hours at a short course in Peoria, Illinois, in July 1934. His distance would have only been 62 miles. This record should not be believed, and the course was too short. I got the one, two, In August 1934, at a nine-hole course in Guilford, Connecticut, golf pro Bill Farnham claimed to achieve 376 holes in 24 hours, 10 minutes. The nine-hole course was extremely short, only about 1,300 yards. The course that he used was less than half the normal length. He also covered only about 42 miles. This didn't come close to qualifying for a comparable true world record. In 1935, Coy probably knew he couldn't beat Farnham's 376 mark in front of witnesses, so he invented a way to better it. He invented the continuous golf record, golfing until you had to quit. He wanted to reach 1,000 holes. Continuous records such as these have also plagued the sport of ultra-running over the years. They were usually only pursued by stunt performers. The efforts were never continuous and could have built-in rests. They were just invented records for the Guinness Book of World Records. Anyway, starting on January 21, 1935, Coy played on a 6,500-yard course in Los Angeles, California. True to his form, at the first tee, he took a bar of iron and tied it into knots using his hands and his teeth. He also bent a half-inch bolt into a U-shape. His caddies worked in three to four hour shifts. The boys who accompany him say he doesn't talk about golf. He regales them about stories of his feats of strength. When he hit the ball into the water, he made the boys fetch the ball out of the water. 
During the first night, it took him seven shots to get out of a sand trap while the caddy stood there with a flashlight and watched him wail away. After 459 holes, Coy quit and was taken to the hospital with badly swollen ankles. A witness said that when he quit, he could scarcely swing the club. Coy estimated that he had walked more than 100 miles during his 39 hours of play. Coy returned to Peoria, Illinois, and a few months later claimed that he played 1,000 holes of continuous golf at the short Madison course, 5,000 yards, in 51 and a half hours. He said that he used one club all the way and that an ice cream firm sponsored him. He wore a sweatshirt advertising the product. Coy said, Then they set out five-gallon cans of ice cream along the course. I didn't stop to eat. I just would dip in and get some ice cream and keep walking. I didn't hit the ball hard at night, just topped it, and the caddies went ahead of me with flashlights. I could have played longer, but I figured that record would stand. Coy was the only source of the news. He wrote to various newspapers, including the Los Angeles Times, telling his tale. Believe it or not, I'm a skeptic. What happened to Coy? He retired from golf stunts, but went on to other things, including playing the piano for five consecutive days and nights. During World War II, he served as a substitute mailman and jogged his route. He settled into an advertising career. He was hired to distribute advertising cards and bills around Peoria, Illinois. In 1952, it was written about him, He fell in love with the idea of being a world record holder no matter how obscure. He just liked the idea of having a new record and the publicity that sometimes came. In 1962, he wrote the Chicago Tribune and said he could pack Kaminsky Park to watch his stunts, such as naming all the presidents of the United States in order or listing the first 50 popes. In 1964, he was still seeking sponsors to do crazy things. He, in 1968, he asked that schools and banks be closed for his 66th birthday. Chief Coy died in 1980 at the age of 78. During the few decades after the 1930s, marathon golf attempts continued in isolated cases. There was no marathon golf record book or even memories of records going forward. Many great accomplishments were made, reaching well above 200 holes, and in nearly all cases, world records were claimed. Some of these efforts were on very short courses. With better technology, fitness, lighting for courses, and true ultra runners, the stage was set to break the records set in the 1930s. On November 27, 1971, Ian Colston, a serious ultra-runner from Victoria, Australia, began his marathon golf attempt at 6 p.m. and finished at 5.15 p.m. the following day after playing a world record 401 holes at a course that was more than 6,000 yards. Colston covered about 95 miles. Colston recalled many years later, I was a pretty good runner back then and the Bendigo golf course approached me about trying to break the record. I'd never been a serious golfer, but I always enjoyed challenging myself. I trained extremely hard for six months and ran about 20 miles per day to make sure I was fit as I could be. I had four motorbikes behind me at all times, and I used a luminous golf ball. 
As soon as I hit the ball, one of the motorbike riders would take off to track the ball for me. I played smart and didn't try to hit the ball too far. I kept it straight and tried to keep out of trouble. In 1974, Mike Kuhn of Michigan claimed he broke Colston's record with 407 holds in 10 hours and tried to get that published in the Guinness Book of World Records, replacing Colston's record. There was one big problem. Kuhn's wife drove him around the course in a golf cart. What was he thinking? On April 22, 2019, former Major League Baseball player Eric Burns played a world record 420 holes in 24 hours at the Half Moon Bay Golf Links in California. The course was at least 6,000 yards. It'll be uh, well over 8,000 feet of elevation gain through the course of the, of the 24 hours, and it's going to take running uh, well over 100 miles, too. Eric Burns is attempting to set the world record for most golf holes played in a 24-hour period. He's hoping to break the old mark of 401 holes set in 1971 by Australian Ian Colston. His strategy was taking many short, straight shots while still running. I think we all need to find our strengths, right, in life. And so I found out my, my strength was the ability to hit a ball on the run. He took a total of 3,538 strokes, and his lowest round was 116. His highest was 168. He covered about 106 miles and used just one club, a woman's eight iron, which he carried as he ran. A caddy friend ran with him and provided aid from carts that followed along the way. After tabulations this morning, it is my pleasure to announce that Eric Burns, you have achieved a Guinness World Records title with 420 holes completed. Previously, in April 2018, Burns also broke Carl Meltzer's 2016 12-hour record when Burns achieved 245 holes. What is next for marathon golf? Perhaps like ultra running, it will evolve into trail marathon golf, using balls that have GPS locators and emit sounds to be found easier. Who knows? With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. Mm-hmm.